From the full, there is a peace this world can't know. It's in His name. There is a glow in darkest night, a dawn of hope, a guiding light. There is a help in helpless plight. It's in His name, it's in His name. His name is Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God. His name is Jesus, and He's ever the same. There is a call. in his name. His name is Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. His name is Jesus, and he's ever the same. There is a calm when fear assails. It's in His name. It's in His name. It's in His name. Thank you so much for that. Uh, take your Bibles, if you would, open up to Ruth chapter 2, book of Ruth chapter 2, and uh, bring a message this morning out of the book of Ruth, and uh, talk about that name, amen, and, uh, which is what we should be doing. Uh, but Ruth chapter 2, um, you know, in preparation for uh, Mother's Day, I was thinking and reading found a funny little story about a lady who obviously didn't get a Mother's Day gift, uh, but a uh, lady was out shopping, and uh, as she was stepping up to pay, she was asked by the sales clerk, uh, are you going to pay with cash, check, or charge? And as the lady was fumbling around in her purse for her wallet, the clerk noticed the TV remote laying in her wallet. And she asked her, she said, do you always carry your TV remote around with you? The lady replied, no, but my husband forgot about Mother's Day, and I free, uh, figured that this was the most evil thing I could do to him legally to get him back. And so, if you forget about Mother's Day, guard your TV remote, fellas. You might lose it. Uh, Ruth chapter 2, and uh, Ruth is one of two books in the Bible named after uh, a lady, uh, the other being, of course, the book of Esther, and both books are written during times of great trouble. 
uh, great trouble in the nation of Israel in the book of Ruth or in the time of the judges, which is known as that time period when men did that which was right in their own eyes. Uh, the book of Esther, of course, they're in the captivity, and they've been taken captive and uh, moved to a different place. Uh, but both times uh, is when you see God come through and work a miracle. And uh, here in the book of Ruth, we want to look at a couple things. Uh, you know, in this situation, uh, Ruth is, is dropped into the middle of uh, a place providentially. Uh, it's interesting to see as you look at Ruth and how God used and worked in her life even when she wasn't looking for it. And, you know, God is working and moving in our lives even this morning. Uh, you know, you, you talk to people and you, you uh, mention church people. And a lot of people don't, they don't have anything, don't want to have anything, don't really care anything about coming to church or religion. And yet somehow they'll end up inside of a church providentially where God is moving them, putting them in the place where he wants them to be. And so we want to look a little bit about that this morning, how uh, Ruth was, uh, she, she didn't really, know, she was looking for one thing and got the other. And so I want to read a few verses here in Ruth chapter 2 and uh, verses 1 through 14. And the Bible tells us that Naomi had a kinsman of her husband's, a mighty man of wealth, of the family of Elimelech, and his name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabitess said unto Naomi, Let me now go to the field and glean ears of corn after him, in whose sight I shall find grace. And she said unto her, Go, my daughter. And she went and came and gleaned in the field after the reapers, and her hap was to light on a part of the field belonging unto Boaz, who was of the kindred of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said unto the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered him, The Lord bless thee. Then said Boaz unto his servants, that was set over the reapers, whose damsel is this? I just want to pause there. It matters who you belong to. All right, it matters who you belong to this morning. Uh, do you belong to Jesus? Do you belong, the Bible says, of your father, the devil? Who do you belong to? And so Boaz here is wanting to know, who does this lady belong to? And then in verse number 6, uh, we continue on. It says, And the servant that was set over the reapers answered and said, It is the Moabitish damsel, they came back with Naomi out of the country of Moab. And I just want to pause there. This has nothing to do with sermon this morning, but it fits quite nicely. He definitive, definitively identifies her as one or the other. She's either of the children of God or she's not. And so in, this, in these Bible times, you're either a Hebrew or a Gentile. There's no two ways around it. And as you sit this morning in this church, you are either saved or lost. There are no two ways around it. We're not finding ourselves and hoping that we're getting to heaven. It is definitively identified as either, either saved or lost. And so as we continue on, I'll try not to stop anymore because <laughs> i got other points. But uh, she, he, they continue on verse number 7. And she said, I pray you, let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and hath continued, even from the morning until now, that she tarried a little in the house. Then said Boaz unto Ruth, Here's thou not my daughter. Go not to glean in another field, neither go from hence, but abide here fast by my maidens. Let thine eyes be on the field that they do reap, and go thou after them. Have, not, uh, have I not charged the young men that they shall not touch thee? And when thou art athirst, go unto the vessels and drink of that which the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face and bowed herself to... And I just want to pause there for a minute. 
in verse number 9, it says, Draw or drink of that which the young... She was able to get something that cost her nothing. And that is what salvation is to us. It's something that is a gift of God that we did not have to pay for. He gave it to us. Continuing on. Verse number 10, Then she fell on her face and bowed herself to the ground and said unto him, Why have I found grace in thine eyes that thou shouldest take knowledge of me, seeing I am a stranger? And Boaz answered and said unto her, It hath fully been showed uh, me all that thou hast done unto thy mother-in-law since the death of thine husband, how thou hast left thy father and thy mother in the land of thy nativity, and art come unto a people which thou knewest not heretofore. The Lord recompense thy work, and a full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings thou art come to trust. Then she said, Let me find favor in thy sight, my Lord, for that thou hast comforted me, and for that thou hast spoken friendly unto thine handmaiden, though I be not like unto one of thine handmaidens. And Boaz said unto her, At mealtime come thou hither, and eat of the bread, and dip thy morsel in the vinegar. And she sat beside the reapers, and he reached her parched corn, and she did eat, and was sufficed, and left. She was sufficed and left. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much for your word. And Lord, I pray that you would uh, be with us this morning as we uh, strive to convey just a few simple thoughts, dear God, on, on what you've given for us so that we could be sufficed. Lord, be with us, Lord, I pray. Just cleanse me of sin, dear God. Remove myself out of the way, Lord, and fill with your spirit this place. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, it's interesting, the book of Ruth is uh, one where we find a picture, an Old Testament picture of Jesus Christ. And they're, they're scattered throughout the Old Testament. In the book of Ruth, we find Boaz, who is the kinsman redeemer. Uh, we think of David, who is a picture of Christ as the king. We think of Joseph, who is a picture of the, the servant who is afflicted and yet triumphant. Joseph is a wonderful picture of Jesus Christ. Uh, but as we look through these Old Testament types, these uh, pictures of Christ, Boaz is seen as a kinsman redeemer. Now, there's two parts to that word, kinsman and redeemer. Kinsman being one of a relationship, redeemer being one that can save, one that can redeem. And certainly we see in Jesus Christ that He is uh, the one that can redeem us because of His relationship with us and with the Father and how He wants to bring us in. So Boaz has the ability to redeem this young lady named Ruth, even though she doesn't know it. There's a world full of people that do not know that Jesus Christ has both the ability and the want to, to redeem them this morning, because they just don't know. And that's why it's our job to go out and invite and to share the gospel so that others may know that they have a redeemer who wants to redeem them. He had the position to redeem uh, Boaz was the one who had the power. In verse number 1, uh, it, it, it says there, Naomi had a kinsman of her husband's, a mighty man of wealth. He had the power to redeem. He had the preference to redeem. He wanted to redeem her. You go on down through there, and as Ruth is interesting, she asked for his redemption. He was willing, but she had to ask. Jesus Christ is willing, but you have to ask. And Naomi tells Ruth uh, in, in verse number uh, 18 of chapter 3, she said, sit still, my daughter. And then she goes on, for uh, he will not rest 
until he hath finished it. Who else finished something without resting? But Jesus Christ, when he went through this life that he had on this earth until he got to that place where he could say, it is finished. So to set the stage for where we're going to go, I want you to understand that Boaz is the kinsman redeemer who had both the power, the position, and the preference to do what only he would do for Ruth. And so as we look at these things, I want you to keep that tucked away in the back of your mind because we're going to come back to that at the end of the message. But first we want to see here in Ruth chapter 2, we see the, the damsel situation. She was in a bad spot. As any one of us who do not know Jesus Christ, we were in a bad spot in our life. Whether we would consider our life as being good or not, when we're without Christ, the Bible says that the condemnation, the wrath of God abideth on us. That's a bad place to be. Here she is. She is depleted in Ruth chapter 1. And in verse number 4, I want to read you a couple of verses here. It says, they took them wives. This is talking about the two children, uh, the two uh, sons of Naomi and Elimelech. And uh, the name of one was Orpah, and the name of the other was Ruth. And then verse number 5 says, And Malon and Chilion, those are the two men, they died. Also both of them, and the one was left of her two sons and her husband. So she is in a place where now what she had is gone. It has been taken away. She, is, she has lost her covering. In biblical times, when you lost your husband, it was a bad thing. That, that was your ability to do a business. That was your ability to, to thrive. Uh, you were looked down upon because now you're a widow. But, I mean, it, she was depleted. She was in a bad spot. But there's been other people in the, in the Word of God who have been depleted, who have been in a bad spot. You know, Moses was sent to the backside of the desert so that God could bring him to where he wanted him to deliver the people of Israel. Gideon was hiding uh, in, in, the, in the vine press, threshing his wheat. He was doing something in a place where you didn't normally do it so that the Midianites wouldn't take what he had. And God visited him so that he could use him. Being in a bad spot ain't a bad thing because it helps you realize that you're going to need something to get you to where you can't get yourself. Ruth is in a bad spot here. She, she, she has lost what she had. She's discouraged. When you read in verse number 16, she says uh, to her mother-in-law, she says, Entreat me not. She's in the land of her nativity. She could stay there with her family. And yet she says, no, I'm going to go with you and treat me not to leave uh, or return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go. And where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Now, it's interesting to look at words in the Bible. When I read this, I look at that lodge as she's just going to live where she wants to live. But when you look at that word, it actually is translated in other places in the word of God as murmuring. She's discouraged. She's unhappy with her lot in life. Uh, and it goes on to say there, it says, Where thou, uh, I will lodge, and thy people shall my people, and thy God, my God. And then verse number 17, she says, Where thou diest, will I die. I tell you what, I'm not thinking about dying yet, <laughs> okay? It's not entered my mind. Uh, now, when I get on the softball field every Saturday, I think a little bit more about it. After, after the softball, I think a lot more about it. Because my body's saying, you're dying right now. But she is discouraged. You know, I, I was listening to um, a political roundtable the other day, and one of the men there was, was talking about how much better the quality of life is in Japan than America. And, and I wanted to say, have you read a little bit about Japan lately? 
Their, their God is education. And if you don't make the score that you need to make in order to survive and move on to the next level, they're jumping out of windows to kill themselves. They have one of the highest rates of suicide in, 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 a, in a modern country. Why? Because they're discouraged. They, they, they have nothing else that they can go for if they don't have that one thing which is prized. And, and, and so Ruth here is in a, in, a, in a bad spot. She's depleted. She's discouraged. She, she has lost everything. She's saying, hey, wherever you die, I'll die. It doesn't matter where. You know, it doesn't matter where you die. <laughs> it matters where you go after you die. I mean, it, it doesn't matter if, I mean, it, really, you die. That's it. But what happens after you die? And so she's in a bad spot in life. Um, there, there's some several uh, verses throughout the Bible where I looked, and, and uh, there's different ways that people were discouraged. In Numbers, the people of Israel were discouraged because of the way. They were discouraged because of how they were having to go about to get to the promised land. And, and uh, so they were discouraged in that. Um, in Numbers 32, it says, when they saw the land, they were discouraged. Why? Because of the giants in the land. Uh, in uh, Deuteronomy, it says, whither shall we go up? Our brethren have discouraged our hearts. So there's a lot of different ways that we can be discouraged today. But Ruth here is in a bad spot. And I find this interesting. In verse number 19 of chapter 1 of the book of Ruth, if you look there with me, it says, So they too went until they came to Bethlehem. And it came to pass, when they were come to Bethlehem, that all the city was moved about them. And they said, Is this Naomi? Now I want you to remember, Orpah, the other daughter-in-law, stayed in the land of Moab. Ruth, what we would consider the good daughter-in-law, went with her mother-in-law back to the land of Israel. But in verse number 20, it says, and they said, uh, she said to them, call me not Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, and the Lord hath brought me home again empty. Why then call you me Naomi, seeing that the Lord hath testified against me, and the Almighty hath afflicted me. Now it's interesting to me, in this period of time where Ruth has lost everything. She's depleted. She's, she's down. She's, she's thinking about dying. She's discouraged. But now, not only that, she is being discounted. What does Naomi say? She says, I went away full and I've come again empty. Ruth is standing right there. I mean, it's like she's not even thinking about her or the fact that, hey, she came back with me. She says, I've come back empty. She totally just discounts everything that Ruth has done thus far. And coming back with her. You know, a lot of times we feel discounted. I mean, isn't it nice to, to, to be asked to do something? Not only be asked to do it, but to, to get a thank you. To, to, to feel as though you're appreciated. And here, Ruth, uh, I, if she's anything like me, she's feeling unappreciated right now. She's thinking, I left the land of my nativity. I, I traveled back with you. I said, where you go, I'll go. Where you, where you lodge, I'll, where you die, I'll die. And yet when confronted by her friends in the land that she had come from, Naomi says, I'm empty. And yet Ruth continues on in her life. 
Uh, we find in verse number 2 of chapter 2, it says, And Ruth the Moabitess said unto me, Let me now go to the field and glean ears of corn after him in whose sight I shall find grace. And she said unto her, Go, my daughter. And then verse number 10, it says, Then she fell on her face and bowed herself to the ground and said unto him, what have I found, Why have I found grace in thine eyes that thou shouldest take knowledge of me, seeing I am a stranger? And so we find that there is... Uh, some desperate involvement by Ruth here. She is desperate to take care of her and her mother-in-law. And yet, it's interesting, we're going to find some divine supervision overseeing all this. You know, nothing happens by chance. Uh, it's interesting to me, as you read these verses, uh, we, we find uh, that she, uh, in, in verse number 3, it says, the Bible uses this word, and it's the only time this word is used in the Bible, it says, her hap was to light on a part of the field. Now, we would look at that and say, well, she was just lucky. She was just, uh, she, she, it was convenient. Maybe that was the field closest by. Maybe that was some, but that, that word hap there, it means that which comes unexpectedly or suddenly. Not that it comes by chance, but we weren't expecting it. So often, God brings things into our life. They're not by chance. They're by divine appointment. God is supervising providentially, divinely, from on high, everything that is going on in Ruth's life. And he is supervising providentially everything that is going on in your life at this very moment. And he knows what is about to come unexpectedly or suddenly into my life and into your life. Nothing catches God off guard. He, it, it doesn't, it's not like Malon and Chilion dying. He goes, oh, I got to figure something out for Ruth. She's gone back to Israel. Uh, she's doing, I, I got to take, no. There's a reason that Boaz, a mighty man of wealth, was still unattached. He had, you know, that would have been the number one bachelor in that area. And yet God had preserved providentially for a Moabitish damsel to come into his field. And it says there, it says he came from Bethlehem to the field. So it, it, it you know, we would say, well, that's just circumstance. No, he came on the same day that she came. And then he goes, whose damsel is that? I mean, finding a wife out in the field working probably isn't where you would normally find someone. You know, she's down in the dirt. She's picking up loose bits of wheat just, you know, lying about, and she's gathering them. She's probably filthy, dirty, dusty. She's not having her best hair day, all right? She hadn't just come from getting a mani-pedi. I mean, she's nasty, and yet Boaz took note of her. That's providence. That's divine supervision in his life. And her, you know, so often we deal with our life. What's going on in my life? We don't understand that God is working in our life and somebody else's life at the same time. To bring those paths to cross at the exact right moment. 
And so we see that Ruth here, she has gone and she says, How have I found grace in thy sight? Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord when nobody else did. Why? Because he was where God wanted him to be at the particular moment God wanted him to be there. If we want to find grace in the eyes of God, we need to be where God wants us to be at the moment God wants us to be there. And so she says, I, I found grace in a place where I thought I would never find it. You know, it, it's just, uh, I still, that, that word hap uh, is, is a thrilling word to, to see because God used it in such a way. I mean, this is the only place, as I mentioned, in the word of God that it's used. Over in Esther, we do find uh, the, the phrase there, who knoweth whether thou art come into the kingdom for such a time as this. What, I mean, the thing about it, it's interesting. Both uh, books of the Bible that are written about women, that are named after women, both of them have something coming unexpectedly into their life to save someone else. Esther was brought into the, 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 before the king and made queen, which is unfathomable for that to happen. And yet it happened. Ruth, this Moabitish damsel, is brought and is found in the field of Boaz, who is the one who could redeem her. So don't think that God has lost track of you in the situation that you find yourself in. Because it's just your hap to light upon that field at this particular moment. And just around the corner, there's somebody called Jesus Christ, where you're going to find grace in His eyes. And He can do something in your life. We find in verse number 3, And she went and came and gleaned in the field after the reaping. Her hap was light on the part of the field belonging unto Boaz, who was the kindred of Elimelech. He is the definitive supplier, the final supplier that she will ever need, even though she doesn't know it yet. It reminds me of another accounting over in the New Testament where Jesus Christ said he must needs go by Samaria to meet another woman who was coming to get something that she needed. And what did he tell her? He says, uh, Jesus answered and said to her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinketh the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Ruth here, her hap was light upon the field owned by Boaz. And we're going to find in the story that he redeems her for his own. And she moves from the field to the farmhouse where she is taken care of for the rest of her life and given what? given a son, given, given what she needed, what she wanted for her life. This woman in Samaria, she came and Jesus was sitting there and she didn't even know she needed that water, but what did he do? He offered it to her. And so we find that, that, that Ruth comes and Boaz takes note of his new worker. He says, whose damsel is this? And they explain who she is. You know, Jesus said, Come unto me, all you that labor and heavy laden, I will give you rest. You know, when you stepped into this church house this morning, 
if you don't know Jesus Christ, it was not by chance, but he took note that you're here. Because we had songs that were sung about Jesus. We had a special that was about the name of Jesus. We have a message this morning speaking about the kinsman redeemer who in the Old Testament was a picture of Christ in Boaz, but in the New Testament we find it in Jesus Christ as He wants to redeem your soul and save it from a place called hell. So it is your hap to step into the field that's owned by Jesus Christ today. You came out of that field called the world into a place that's all about God. If this place isn't the field of Christ, where could we find a field that is, is consumed with Jesus Christ? So she finds herself in the place that she needs to be. And she finds herself with a steward that wants to take care of her. He was a mighty man of wealth. He had stewarded what he had well. You think about what Jesus Christ has done with the gospel that came forth from him. How it has spread throughout the world. How we have the word of God that is given to us to help spread that gospel. He has taken, and the Bible says, he doeth all things well. He has done well with what God entrusted to him. And he wants to do well in your life. See, if Boaz hadn't done well with what he had, he couldn't have redeemed Ruth. He had to buy he had to pay for what he was getting. Remember later on in the story, I don't know if you remember the message that, that Brother McBride, and, and, and I, a lot of times I stay away from Ruth because Brother McBride preaches on Ruth, and there ain't no way I could ever touch what Brother McBride does with the book of Ruth. But he preached that, what you going to do with that old shoe? And how the Boaz goes down and he buys Ruth, and the man takes the shoe off and gives it to him as signifying that he has purchased her and everything that goes with her. You know, when Jesus Christ purchases you, he buys you and all your baggage. And he wants to take care of that. That's why the Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things become new. We just read that verse, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. What a promise. What a promise from one that seeks to redeem your soul, that wants to save you. Boaz would not rest until he had that woman called Ruth. Jesus Christ will not rest until you will allow Him to save you. He will send the Holy Spirit to convict and to convict and to convict. And you'll get a chance this morning. Perhaps you'll come back tonight and you'll get another chance. God gives chances upon chances. But perhaps He knows that right around the corner there's something coming in your life. An accident. I hear more and more sirens on Wayne Road now than I have ever heard in my life. Why? Because people can't drive. And red don't mean red no more. It means speed up. <laughs> but we don't know 
what will come into our life today? What does the Bible say? That our, our life is as a vapor. It's here and it vanishes away. So what will you do with the opportunity afforded you today? It was your hap to light upon this field. And the owner of this field wants you to be one of his. You know, when you read down through Ruth, the last time she's called Ruth, the Moabitess, is right before Boaz redeems her. Why? Because after he redeems her, she's not a Moabitess anymore. She belongs to him. Guess who's in the lineage of Christ? Ruth. Ruth. Why? Because it was her hap to light upon the field of the man that would redeem her. So where are you at this morning with this Redeemer? I want to give you just a few verses, and then we'll have a time of invitation. Ephesians chapter 2 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and then not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. It's interesting, you read that verse, in verse number 14, it says, And he reached her parched corn, and she did eat, and was sufficed, and left. It's interesting, in verse number 18, she goes to her mother-in-law, and in the last half of that verse it says, and she brought forth and gave to her that which she had reserved after she was sufficed. I was reading that. Because I always think that Ruth gathered a bunch of stuff and, and beat it out and went back and fed her mother-in-law with that. But you know what Jesus Christ will do for you today? He will give you enough that is sufficient for you. But He'll give you so much that He'll give you something to give somebody else. In Psalms 23, He says, My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Maybe you're saved this morning. Maybe you know Jesus Christ. Maybe you've been sufficed. But He gave you extra to give to somebody else. He gave you more than you needed to give to somebody that doesn't have it. What are you going to do with that? So this morning as we have our invitation, I'll ask Brother Tom to come, ask the pianist to come. We'll have a word of prayer. Maybe you're not saved. You can fix that this morning. Maybe you are saved, but you've been stingy with what God's given you. You can fix that this morning too. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Oh, we thank you that you are sufficient. And Lord, I pray you just to bless this time. Bless the invitation, we pray. 
May your word be used, dear God, as you would see fit. And we'll thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.